Hello, all you cinephiles, cinefreaks, and cinemaniacs. Welcome to another exciting episode of Cinema Smackdown. My name is Tyler. And I'm Greg. And we are obsessed with movies. That's right. So obsessed we made our own podcast about it. So, we take two similar movies and pit them against each other in a fight for ultimate glory. Ultimate glory! Two films enter, and two films leave. But, in the meantime, we'll desperately try to answer the question, which one is better? Ooh, today we have a very spooky, scary edge of your seat episode. It's the Battle of the King, Stephen King. Specifically, two of his most recent adaptations— both critically acclaimed, but only one left the theater with box office moolah. But which will come out on top? A creepy clown versus soul suckers. Childhood awkwardness versus adult sobriety. A remake versus a sequel. That's right, it's It versus Dr. Sleep. <laughs> Stephen King. The King of Stevens. Uh, Before we get into this, I think we do need to clarify which it we're talking about. Uh, Hopefully you saw when you clicked on the episode, it didn't say It Chapter 2. There's no talk of It Chapter 2 in this. We're not not, not even going to talk about that. That's, That's another completely separate entity. The movie's not very good. I don't want to talk about it. It is so long and so drawn out. But I do want to talk about the first movie, It. It, chapter one. This is a movie about a lovable group of small-town bullied kids that band together to destroy an evil shape-shifting clown. Whoa. Can you believe it? Yeah. Um. (laughs) Yes. So there's some things you might not know about It. First, let's get into... Some behind-the-scenes trivia about Pennywise. Behind the scenes! This is something you might not realize because Pennywise has such a huge presence in this film, but Pennywise only has four minutes of dialogue in this entire film. Whoa, that's less than Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lamps. How how many minutes does he have? He's, he has less than 15 minutes of screen time and wow. won an Oscar for that role. And for lead, not supporting, right? For lead! Wow. That's wow. how... I mean, that just goes to show you that, like... You don't have to have dialogue or screen time in order to make an impact in a movie, which Pennywise does in this movie. Similar to last week talking about the Joker. Yeah, you're right. And speaking of the Joker, my next fact kind of ties into him as well in an unrelated, related kind of way. Okay. So the teeth prosthetics that Bill Skarsgård wore made him drool profusely. He couldn't stop drooling. Gross. And he didn't like that. He was trying to make himself not drool, but the director... Andy Muschietti. Muschietti. Andy Muschietti, he (laughs) loved it. He thought it was a great character choice, so he told Bill to work it into his character to make him look more ravenous. Yeah, I mean, it it works because he's thirsting for children. Exactly. And by the way, I said it tied into the Joker because Heath Ledger similarly had mouth prosthetics that made him lick his lips constantly, which he turned into his character choice. Which also added so much to that character. I love when these things happen. It's It's almost like the prosthetic makeup team is... 
it, like an acting coach. They're involved Correct. in the in the excitement. Interesting. Well, I think now it's time for me to talk about a very awesome sequel yes. to one of my favorite movies of all time, The Shining, uh, called Doctor Sleep. It's not called The Shining Two. It's not called The Shining Two. It's not called The Shininger. It's mm. not called Shiningist. Mm. It is called Doctor Sleep, which is the title of the book. Years following the events of The Shining. A now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot. Mmm. Mm. Scary, scary, scary. Vampires. Um, yeah, they're, they're kind of vampires. They're kind of like, I mean, you could say they're vampires. They're, they're vaping vampires. Yeah, we called them soul suckers in the intro, but it does, they, it's almost like they're vaping people's soul, soul. Or, or essence. Yeah, though, I mean, they hold them, they have them in like weird canisters. And they, they release the steam, as they say, but it, it looks like they're vaping. And I know it's probably a little bit too early to get into critiques, but come on, like, the way that they ingest that steam from the canister is so inefficient. They're losing so much steam. They're just opening it up. They don't have, like, a bong set up or a hookah. Like, you've been around for hundreds <laughs> of years. Bong. Some of these vampires are, like, thousands of years old, and come on. Yeah, that's that, true. This is how you, your precious steam that you're talking about, the whole movie that you need so badly and you're running out of. And I mean, we'll talk about the plot holes in both of these movies. Yeah. But, it, yeah, there's plot holes. Um, so some facts about Dr. Sleep. Uh, one is, in the novel, Dan Torrance is actually Abra's uncle. Hmm. Jack Torrance once had an affair with her grandmother. So Jack Torrance, not Dan. Jack had an affair with Abra's grandmother. Correct. Which is yeah, same generation. So but would that, that be her uncle? So that would that yeah would that make Dan Torrance her uncle? Uncle once removed, step cousin. Not step cousin. <laughs> not not a step. Maybe a cousin. I don't know. Cousin. Somewhere in the family tree, he exists. They're related. Yeah. Which is not how it is in, in Which the is, movie. No. Although she does call him Uncle Dan all the time. She does call him Uncle Dan. And yeah. that is directly from the novel. Hmm. So Jack Torrance in Doctor Sleep has a part in the end of the movie. It was initially supposed to be played by Jack Nicholson. But guess what? Jack Nicholson retired. Yeah. He doesn't do acting anymore. No, he does not. So they got Henry Thomas, who is a longtime collaborator with Mike Flanagan. And... And Elliot. And Elliot in E.T. E. Which is from another podcast and, of ours, if you've been listening. Well, the same podcast, but the first episode. Yes. yes the first, yes. Yeah. Basically, Mike Flanagan didn't want to use any CGI. He didn't want to, like, de-age Jack Nicholson on top of him already being retired. Mm -hmm. But he, he said that he didn't want to go through that Peter Cushing uh, look that he that they had in Rogue One, they thought it, he thought it was a weird oh, look. Yeah, um, and he just said it would be better to just get an actor play Jack Torrance, kind of look like Jack Nicholson, but he's not going to play like an impression of Jack Nicholson. Yeah, and I think it works. I think that scene's very important in the movie. It's important for Dan Torrance to reconcile anything with his father, and it's it's uh, an interesting scene. Yeah, I think it kind of works. I I I like. The scene at the bar when he's in profile, I think it works to have another actor there where we don't fully see his face. But once we're fully looking at the guy and he's so clearly doesn't really look like Jack Nicholson, and I appreciate that he's not doing an impression, but it just feels so different. And just for fan service or nostalgia's sake, I don't know if I love that part of the movie, if I'm being frank. I love it. I And they do it throughout the entire movie. There's, there's scenes where it's exactly the same shot in the office. 
Yeah. Um, when he's talking to the doctor, it's the same scene as it is in The Shining. It's lit the same. It's the same angle. It's perfect. Yeah, I actually like that better. I feel like that is a good little homage to the original versus some of the stuff at the end is so just like, huh, see, look, it's the same exact iconic shot. You love this. Don't you love this? Whereas like The Office is is a more subtle nod. It's, Dr. Sleep is kind of in an impossible situation because some people will say that it does too much fan service. Some people will say it does not enough. It's never going to please. This is, you know, it's kind of like Star Wars fans at this point. It's never going to please yeah, everybody. Right. And it's probably going to alienate most. But people said the exact same thing about The Shining back in the day. They said, oh, this is different from the book. Why aren't they doing this from the book? Like people had issues with The Shining when it came out. Yeah. So I kind of, in a way, like that there's this animosity and this like love for this movie that is exactly like The Shining. So yeah. congrats to you, Mike Flanagan, on kind of getting that same response that The Shining got. Yeah, I think that unsatisfied fans is a bigger issue nowadays because the internet just makes everything worse. Everyone has a, <laughs> like, a, an opinion. And, and, we've, and we care so strong. I mean, this whole podcast is us having stupid opinions exactly. on inconsequential art. Okay, that sounded harsh, but... <laughs> You know, this is a, this is a podcast where we're just talking about movies. We're not, yeah. you know, we're not really curing anything. Where this isn't like vital information. And this kind of stuff, like, it, I don't know if if people in the '80s cared this much about stuff the way we do now because of the internet. It's in abundance. It's everywhere. Like, we can we can get The Shining. We can get Doctor Sleep. We can watch them together that right, night, like right. easily on Netflix, on Hulu, on all these different streaming services. Yeah. But I, I, I like that Doctor Sleep is divisive, like like Shining was, and and I think it walks that tightrope really well. Where like you're trying to please fans of Stephen King's novel, but also fans of Kubrick's movie, which is very different. Uh, yes. Although I, I do feel like this movie dr sleep runs about 30 minutes too long which you haven't seen the director's cut i don't want to that sounds too <laughs> like long three hours and no, 15 minutes no 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 <laughs> i'll only do that with with lord of the rings i i don't need to see yeah extended anything else besides that you're not missing much it's yeah. just a little, few little scenes here and there yeah but there i mean there are there are issues with like the scene with the blood that and rose going into the overlook that sure that's an issue for me yeah but i think most of the ending is earned it's we're not seeing the overlook until the very end of that movie after we've been invested in these characters. I mean, that's a big thing why I think Dr. Sleep is better than it. I think we have all oh. this wonderful time to invest in these characters and it's not just scene after scene of another character, of another character, of another character. And we're seeing these characters develop these and granted it has a lot more characters to deal with and they're it's an ensemble piece. This whole time we were talking about how great Dr. Sleep was, I didn't realize we were building to the greater point that you like it better than it. I love The Shining. It is my favorite horror movie. I think Dr. Sleep succeeded in making a pretty good sequel to The Shining. So I'm on team Dr. Sleep. Let me ask you this. Do you think Dr. Sleep would work if you haven't seen The Shining? I think without the ending, yes. I think it has its own story. It has its own character buildup. I I just I'm very happy that like we end it with Doctor Sleep. There's no trilogy happening. There's no second half to Doctor Sleep. That's it. I truly don't think Doctor Sleep should exist. I enjoy the movie. I love Doctor Sleep. I I was pleasantly surprised by it. But I don't know if the book should have existed. I don't know if the movie should exist. Even if the movie is better than the book, I think Stephen King wanted to write something about sobriety 
Good. Then write a new story. But he don't make a sequel. No. Okay. The Shining is about alcoholism. That's what it's about. Yeah. It's about alcoholism and how it affects our family. And he wanted to tell a story about sobriety. What is a better story than taking that alcoholic story of The Shining? And make it about sobriety. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. And I mean, if you watch the movie, that is the most endearing, most amazing theme throughout the entire movie is Dan getting sober. Yeah. And and making a better life for himself. You know, all the points you're making are valid. I enjoy watching It it Chapter 1 more than Dr. Sleep. I... I know that it's a little bit more generic, a little bit more by the numbers, a little yes. bit more, you know, it delves into tropes and jump scares a little bit more. The loud music. But it works. It somehow works in a way that most generic, you know, mass marketed giant horror movies don't. And yes, it, it is a little by the numbers, but it's very structured. But, you know, it's also a movie that takes place in the 80s that's going to lean into some 80s horror tropes. And part of that is sort of a cliche. Uh, style of storytelling that is very like 80s bullies and the small town and, and you know it feels very much like Goonies or E.T. It, which is interesting because they transferred it from the novel which was in the 1950s so they were able to take oh. that same aspect of the 1950s and move it to the 80s oh. and I think it worked perfectly I didn't know that I didn't so then the book it's it all takes place in the 50s yes the and same they, in the miniseries well I guess that makes sense because when they come back as adults it has to be 27 years later yep. and he, he wouldn't be writing in the future and nope. say it's now 2019 yeah so yeah it's very uh wow. 1950s and then Henry Bowers that kid is fucking insane Oh, yeah, totally. Holy shit, like it's pretty ridiculous. he like basically like cuts open the oh. fat kids yeah, well, Stomach. there's that, and then later when Pennywise gets him and he's leaking that hamburger poor... helper, as Richie puts it, which he's, I love. He's fucking, like, he should be dead. I, that's one of the things I like about this movie is that, like, from the very jump, we see Georgie get brutally killed. We see his arm get ripped, ripped off, off as he's screaming for his mommy. Like, it is... The cutest s- kid, too. And he's such a cute kid, and it's so gut-wrenching, and it just sets the tone. It's like, we're not afraid then, to hurt these kids. And then it has this awesome, like, reaction shot from the cat that saw it all. Yeah, and 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 it is funny. There are funny moments. Like, even, not just dialogue, but, like, the doors, uh, scary, not scary, uh, very scary. Like, laugh yeah. out loud. While you're being terrified by Pennywise... He's making you laugh. He's being a clown. His dancing is is hilarious. But is that just a rehash of Freddy Krueger? I have not seen very many horror movies. I've seen (laughs) most of the big ones, Shining, Exorcist, and I have a big blind spot for horror because I recognize that there are some very good ones. It just seems like there's the the ratio of good to bad is there's so many bad horror movies. That's that what's awesome about it, it. It scares me away from the genre. It's like finding a jewel in in a, yeah. in a cave. It's kind of like superhero movies. For a while, I didn't want to see any superhero movies because there were just so many bad ones. I just feel like the general quality and not only movies but TV shows that are on that topic it's become a little bit more elevated and I'm finally getting back into the fray of like, okay, you got me. I'll, I'll watch these movies and I enjoy them, but I'm just, I, I am probably to a fault a little hesitant because I find the genre to be mostly dumb. And that's the thing. You got to understand that in the seventies, horror was a little high art. You had Rosemary's baby, which I actually think is 68, but you had like these, these, uh, the changeling you had, uh, the shining came out of that. Yeah. And then it fizzled. 
there's now an indie horror trend that is kind of bringing that back. You have movies like Good. Hereditary. You have movies like Relic. Hereditary dealing with depression and loss of you know uh, a family member. You have Relic that deals with Alzheimer's and Doctor Sleep dealing with sobriety, yeah. dealing with reconciliation with their family members. That I think is now where horror should be heading back to. Yeah. I think we you know it is kind of like saying oh this is this is what it used to be like in the eighties. Like I want you to remember that and and come see our movie. And and Doctor Sleep is like, hey, I want to go and take this cerebral aspect of horror and make it more high art. Yeah, and I, that's what I like about Doctor Sleep as compared to it, where I love it, the moot chapter one, <laughs> it chapter one. But I love that horror is heading into this direction of more high art. I guess a part of how I judge these movies, and this takes me back to it versus Doctor Sleep, is straight up which one is scarier. And and I don't I don't see I don't look at horror movies like that because but isn't isn't the point of a horror movie to get scared and it's all about scariness I mean but if you're invested in the characters like they make you invested in Doctor Sleep I'm invested in characters in both movies I think they do a better job at flushing out the main characters in Doctor Sleep than Mm. they do in it because I think there's so many characters in it Chapter One that it's hard to do that. In a two-hour span. I think they do a pretty good job, though. I do. And even if it's lacking, I think that we are able to always see ourselves in those kids. I mean, I looked just like Eddie at that age, the, the kid that... Which I the think cast. Is a, it's a really smart... It's yeah. a really smart decision. And I, I said it, it in 88, because guess who's 89. watching them? 89. <laughs> guess who's watching these movies? Right, exactly. So I obviously have an affinity for Dr. Sleep. Not just because of my love of The Shining... I think it's a more mature movie. I think it's better directed. I think it's a little bit better. Is it a blowout for you? It's no. like not even a close no. contest. I don't I don't think it is a blowout cuz I rewatched it chapter 1 yesterday. And, and like you said, you've seen it 10 times. I've seen it 10 times. Way more I, lo- than... I loved it. It's great. When it first came out, I was like, this is fucking awesome. It is great. Yeah. It is great. But I think on the whole, mm-hmm. Doctor Sleep is a better just like Preparation H. It's great it's, on the whole. It's better on the whole. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty on the fence. Like my I think my heart likes it and my brain likes Doctor Sleep. I mean, honestly, my whole body likes both of these movies very much so. But I think the rewatchability has a big thing for me because like, you know, the shining to me is endlessly rewatchable. But that's not that's not a normal thing. A lot of people don't think The Shining is rewatchable. Well, I also just have a boner for Jack Nicholson. I I, yeah. I can watch him do anything. Incredible he's, actor. He's great. I I find him so amusing, even when he, like, and I don't mean that to be disrespectful. Like, even when he's giving a dramatic performance, he is very good and very dramatic, but it always brings a smile to my face. Like, there's something about him. He's got that magic quality that just makes me, ah, oh, God, I love you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it this way. Dr. Sleep had bigger shoes to fill than It Chapter 1 did. And it accomplished that. It exceeded it, expectations exactly. more than It did. But does that just, without any expectations, is it better? I think it is. I, you still seem to think that I, It is better. I don't know. I, I mean, I would give, if I had to grade these movies, I'd probably give them both the same grade. I don't know. A, A, maybe A minus. I don't know. Like, they're both good. They both have their flaws. Yeah. Um, There are some weird things in Dr. Sleep for me of how The Shining works that feels like 
you know, kind of like how the recent Star Wars movies, like that's not really how the Force works. That's not really <laughs> how the you you know it's you can't just astral project somewhere. I don't know. Maybe it's who cares? It's all magic. You're just making it up. But I would prefer people stick to a set of yeah. rules within their universe. But there's also faults in in it as well. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and it is it is a little bit goofier. It's a little bit sillier, but I like that. I like because I'm not a huge fan. I think I think both of these movies. It depends on what mood you're in. Well, and when I'm watching a horror, I want comedy in it. Like I think Doctor Sleep would be better if they just infused a little bit of humor in that. I don't there's, agree. There's no humor in that movie at all. I don't think there needs to be. I think the themes are so intense that that would be a disservice to what they're trying to accomplish as a movie i am a, much like hill haunting of hill house there's no comedy in that. yeah and i think it would be better if there was i i am of the firm belief and this is probably too firm that i think every drama should have a little bit of comedy in it and every comedy should have a little bit of drama in it and it blends comedy and horror and if you replace you know horror is dramatic well okay final answer ready i i, I don't know i it's i tie for you i'm gonna just say that like objectively Doctor Sleep, subjectively, it. Perfect. That's, uh, I, yeah, and maybe Ask Me Tomorrow, it might change. <laughs> I don't it, know. They're, they're, they're those types of movies. It depends on what mood you're in, I think. I think if Doctor Sleep was just 30 minutes less long, like if it was a two-hour runtime and not a two-and-a-half-hour runtime, I would definitely put it above. It's just, you know, it, to its credit, unlike its sequel, is a clean two hours, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. I feel like Dr. See, Sleep overstays its welcome just a little bit long. And I'm the type of person that's going to see that director's cut of three hours and 15 minutes. That's insane to me. That's just who I am. Well, if you love a movie, I mean, I would. my favorite movie is The Truman Show. I would watch a 10-hour version of yeah. that movie. Well, guys, we have strong opinions on these movies and which one is better. But Although, this time... I, I don't really have a strong opinion. No. <laughs> I, no. I have a pretty weak opinion. No, I mean, this time it's been kind of a toss-up. I mean, we both love these movies. That's part of why I'm kind of wishy-washy is I don't have a lot of passion about either of these movies. For both of them, I'm like, yeah, they're good. But I'm not, like, thinking about them for a long time after I see them, you know? We we love to hear what you guys think, though. Tweet us or Instagram us at Pod and tell us your own opinions. Next time we talk, it's Street Fighter oh. versus Mortal Kombat! Oh, my God. We're going to have a special guest. Oh, yeah? Uh, Murphy Martin is going to be joining us, and uh, it's going to be a hilarious time. We're oh, gonna, man. We're going to talk about how ridiculous these movies are. A quick confession. I know both of these movies are ridiculous and hilarious. I've never seen either one. Well, look, I'm so excited so I'm, to hear I'm, what you're I'm excited. Say. Yeah, like, I'll love watching these oh, movies. God. It'll be great. They're incredible. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.
Love to 